You can sign up for both the class and if you need child care, uh, that's it. If you've been sitting there, like you heard someone since 2009, if you're sitting here and you're not a member, it doesn't mean that members are treated differently, but there are more opportunities for members to really vote for things and serve in different ways. So we would love for you to be a part of that and so you can sign up that way. All right. Also, Easter is coming, and there are a lot of different opportunities here at the chapel. So there are some of the Easter times. There's Good Friday at 1210 and 610, and then, of course, Easter, uh, the night before Easter at 5 p.m., and then, of course, we have three Sunday morning worship services at 830, 10, and 1130, where it's Celebration Sunday, where we can celebrate that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Absolutely. And then on Easter, it's a great way for you to serve as well. We have so many people coming through our doors, and whether it's chapel kids or whether it's greeting or coffee or whatever it is, we need extra people to really make this happen. I know some of our volunteers will be serving, but other ones that aren't, uh, we need to fill those roles. And this is our church, and we want to make it a special Sunday, not just for you, but for a lot of guests who are only going to come maybe once or twice a year. We want them to have the greatest experience possible. So if you do want to serve, and this is in your welcome program, you can text the word Easter to that number on the screen. It'll prompt you how to serve, and then we'll slot you. But man, we need you in Chapel Kids, welcoming people, a lot of different areas of the church. So we appreciate that. All right, Jeff, I think you're done for today. Give it up for Jeff one more time here. You'll see him out and about. He'll be teaching his first message here the week after Easter, so we're grateful for that. Now, many of us, uh, a few weeks ago, watched a, a big game on TV called the Super Bowl. And on Super Bowl Sunday, the headlines weren't just that the Chiefs won the game, but a lot of the headlines had to do with the condition of the field. In fact, we see the Associated Press wrote about the conditions and said that the field at State Farm Stadium turned into a Super Bowl slip and slide. And what was interesting about that, I thought, what happened? And so I started to do an investigation on Google. And I found this article about a guy who has been taking care of the fields, the Super Bowl fields, for over 40 years. This guy is 94 years old, which is incredible. I just want to ask, how do you live that long and take care of a Super Bowl field? And he said he quits. From now on, he's not going to work a Super Bowl when it comes to the fields. He was so upset with the conditions. And what he said, he kind of threw his boss under the bus. He actually called him by name. He's like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He said, we've been growing this field. This is crazy. They've been growing this field for two years. So this field in Arizona has been growing for two years just for the Super Bowl. The problem is they brought it out a couple weeks before, and they were watering it, but they watered it too much and didn't allow the sun to let the water evaporate. So they would water it, bring it back in, water it, bring it back in, and then they brought it out right before the game, watered it again, and then put a tarp on it so that like the musicians and other people that were warming up wouldn't affect the field. Well, wouldn't you know it, during the game, it becomes a slip and slide. And so many different players, even if you saw one of the kickers from the Eagles, he kicks it and he falls down. One of the Chiefs players scored a touchdown and he fell down. It was a really bad condition. And what it told me is this, no matter how good your training is or what the big game is like, if you don't have the right footing or the conditions on the field are wrong, then you won't be able to stand. And it's not just a sports thing. The Apostle Paul says this is a spiritual thing, a spiritual battle. 
Because there is a field that we ought to stand on, and we want to be able to stand firm. And this is why, if we can put this on the screen, this is why that we're on in this message series called The Armor of God, Becoming Battle Ready Against the Forces of Evil. We're looking at how can we, on a daily basis, get ready to fight the enemy. And last week, if you were here, uh, we looked at a few different parts of that. We looked at the belt of truth, which we said was not a literal belt, but it was a girdle-like belt underneath of everything that held everything together for the soldier. And we said that truth was the scriptures. It's what we build our lives upon. Everything is attached to it. That everybody has a truth that they are living by. It's underneath of everything. And if you have the truth of God, then you're going to have everything be upheld by that as well in your life. And then we said the breastplate of righteousness. We define the phrase righteousness as right living or living like Jesus. And when we're living like Jesus in every aspect of our lives, we protect our vital organs, especially our hearts. This week, however, we are looking at the conditions of the fields when it comes to what we're putting on our feet. And the Apostle Paul says we ought to put the boots of peace on. And here's what he says in verse 15. He says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. And so he said, look, the, the conditions of the field may be rough. And so you have to make sure you have the right shoes on or boots on or uh, sandals on in this case to make sure that you can stand firm. And in order to do that, in order to understand how we can apply this to our lives, I want to focus on three words for the rest of our time together. Actually, four words, if you count good news as two words. But we want to look at the words peace, good news, and prepared. If you have your Bible, circle those three, because what Paul's trying to get at is these shoes are connected to these three words. The first word is peace. I don't know anyone in my life that has enough peace. What Paul is saying in this is that in the battle against your soul, no matter what you're fighting against, no matter the conditions of the field, no matter what is happening, you can still have peace. Now, we define peace in this way, confidence and rest in God's control and not in our own. That peace is available if we define peace in this way. Knowing that God's in control, when we know God is truly in control, not something that we just say, oh, God's in control, but if we really know that God's in control and we live in that way, we will have rest, we will have confidence, we will know that no matter what's happening around us, we can have peace. What's interesting, though, what Paul says here, it says, put on the peace. Put on the boots of peace. I don't think any of us here sleep in our shoes. If so, you are very weird. I'm just going to put that out there. Unless you have a medical condition, then I apologize for that too, okay? Uh, but I think most of us don't put, uh, we take off our shoes before we come in the house, or at least before we go to bed. And then in the morning, if you are leaving, you have to put shoes on. You have to put them on every single day. And Paul says the same thing. You have to put on peace. Which Paul is saying is this. Peace isn't always readily available until we put it on. So often in our culture, our culture talks about peace in two different ways. It always talks about the peace within. Or find peace in the circumstances of your life. The fallacies of both of those 
are this. Every time I look inside of myself to find peace, I can't find it. In fact, I heard somebody say something recently, and I thought, man, this is so true. Most of us live with an underlying anxiousness all the time. Like we're just anxious. Anxious about what's going to happen after church. Anxious about tonight because we know the kids go to school tomorrow. Anxious about what's going to happen at work. Anxious about the future. We're just anxious. And again, it's about a one or a two, but it's just there, and it grinds at us all the time. So we can't find it within because I don't know many people that can just look within and say, I am at peace. Because that peace goes up and down based upon our emotions or based upon our circumstances. You're supposed to find peace in your circumstances. Your life's falling apart. You're telling me you're supposed to have peace? The Apostle Paul says yes. If you put it on every single day. One of my favorite stories of peace is Horatio Spafford who wrote the song It Is Well. What I love about that song is that he wrote it after his four kids and four daughters and wife passed away, and then his son passed away. He had nobody. And yet he sang the song, It Is Well. And I thought to myself, peace is available. It is well with our souls, even when we go through hell. And if you're going through hell in your life right now because the evil one is attacking you and trying to thwart God's plan of becoming like Jesus in your life. I'm just telling you, you can put on peace. You can be well when you go through hell. But it can't be from within. You can't find it in others. You can't find it in your circumstances. Paul says you have to find the peace that comes from the good news. It comes from who? Jesus. That word good news is the, is the Greek word euangelion, which literally means the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Peace has to come from Jesus. And you may say, oh, well, of course. But how many of us really look to Jesus for our peace? Usually he's like third on the list. That didn't work. Can't find it within. Okay, God, you are my peace now. But he says every single day you need to put it on and look to the gospel. Tim Keller says you have to preach the gospel to yourself every single day as if you don't already know it. Because our minds and our hearts quickly forget about the good news of Jesus. He says put it on every day. Put it on your feet. Remember the gospel. The gospel is this. The good news is the eternal life is available by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. This is what gives us peace. It's grace alone, which means it is a gift. I was talking to someone the other day on the phone just about some spiritual things that he was going through. And he was talking about how he was doing these things. And he said a phrase in passing that I had to go back and revisit with him. He goes, you know, because if I do this and Jesus comes back, then I'm in trouble. I said, wait a minute. What do you mean you're in trouble? I said, do you... Do you know what Jesus has done for you? He says, yeah. I said, well, it's a gift. You didn't earn it, and you can't lose it. It's literally a gift from God, and he wants us to receive it. And he's a guy that doesn't have takebacks in his life. He's not going to just take it back based upon your performance. It's a gift that we receive because we put our faith in Jesus. Faith and trust are the same word. That we're trusting in what God has done for us in Christ. That he lived a perfect life. 
that he died a substitutionary death on the cross, and then he rose three days later, showing us victory not over just sin, but death itself. That is what we put our trust in. That is what we put our faith in. And God, he gives us peace. Because it's only in him alone that we can have that. If you are in this room and you're looking for peace inwardly, if you're looking at it in your circumstances, your peace is going to go up and down based upon how you feel or what's going on. But if you look to peace, to who Jesus is, he gives it to you freely because we trust in him. I love what Paul says in Romans 5, 1. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. That is right there, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We have peace from God when we put our faith in him. So I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know so many of your stories in here. I'm not going to say who it is. I talked to him this morning. He came up to Pastor Jeff and I, and he said, Eric, my wife died last night. He's such a great guy, a part of our chapel family, been coming for a while. And what's interesting is you can see the pain, you can see the heartache, but what struck me was that he's here today. Because I know that he knows that he wants to look to Jesus to give him that peace. That he's put his faith in Christ. And he's holding on to the promise that God will give him that. It doesn't mean that it's going to take away the pain. But when Jesus says, my peace, I leave you. And I've overcome the world so you can have this peace. No matter what you're going through, if you see it in Christ. And you know it's a gift. And he'll never take it back. And you're trusting in him. He will give you a peace that transcends all understanding. It's confidence in God that he is in control and not us. If you are in control of any aspect of your life, you will not have peace in that aspect. If you're trying to control your marriage, I guarantee you have no peace. If you're trying to control your kids, hello, you don't have peace. (laughs) If you try to control the outcome of your life, you have no peace. There's so many of us that are so worried about the future. Jesus says, I give you enough peace for today, not tomorrow. Jesus lives in tomorrow, but not us. And he gives us enough peace to get us through today. My friend will have enough peace to get him through today, and then enough for the next day, and then enough for the next day. But it's found in what Jesus has done for us. It's found in the good news. We have to put that on every single day, or we'll put on something else that will lead our lives, and we won't have that peace. So put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to Timothy towards the end of his life. And Paul, he is writing from a jail cell. And I don't know a less peaceful place than a jail cell. Especially back then, he was literally chained to Roman guards. And so when he's writing this, literally he is writing it with someone attached to him. He's being beaten and persecuted for his faith in Christ. And talk about peace. I just love this phrase. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He's like, look, I have lived this life for God. I have believed that peace alone comes from Jesus. My life has been given for the benefit of God and others. He says, the time of my death is near. And I know this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. 
And now the prize awaits me, the prize of eternal life. That's written by someone who knows peace. I mean, I know a lot of people who get to the end of their life, and of course the anxiety ratchets up. And some of that has to do with leaving your loved ones for the last time and not knowing what to expect when you go that process. I'll probably be anxious in that way too. But I also think that I'll be at peace like Paul is because I know what awaits me. And for those of you who know Jesus, not only do you have to have peace, not only can you have peace in your everyday life, you can have peace towards the end of your life as well. Just like Paul says from this prison cell, knowing the end has come near, he wants to cling to Christ in this moment because that's where his peace comes from. Where does your peace come from? You can say it is well in the midst of the hell that you're going through. If you put the peace of Christ on every single day, if not, and you look for it in something else, you look within, you're trying to control the situation, you'll never have peace unless everything is going perfectly. I don't know anyone that has that in their lives. Paul, he says, put on these shoes of peace that come from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Prepared for what? What's interesting here is this Greek word, hetoemasia, is found one time in the New Testament, and it's found here. And so anytime a word is only used once, scholars are looking at that word and we're like, what do we do with this? Because this is the only time it comes up in the context of what Paul's writing about. He's writing about spiritual warfare. He's writing about peace. He's writing about going out with that peace. So how do we define that? So different ways to define that is either preparation, foundation, firm footing, and readiness. And I think a combination of both of those things are what Paul is talking about here. The two words that I think the gospel shoes of peace gives us here is both stability and mobility. Now, this is a rendering of what the shoes of a Roman soldier would have looked like. And you're thinking, steel-toed boots and these other protective shoe wear, but that's what they wore. But what was interesting is the sandals are used as stability for their ankles and for their whole foot. They strapped it on with the leather strap that you saw. And then at the bottom of that shoe, there was a little nail that would stick into the ground so they can have stability and then also mobility against the enemy. They could stand firm against what was happening, but they could also go to where they needed to be. It gave them stability and mobility. And honestly, I know it's a little bit different because... We're in 2023, but it is, it, this kind of looks more like what they would have worn. A little bit different, and I don't think they were sponsored by Under Armour back there, but these are, these are football cleats. And what you can see about the cleats is they strap on, but you have this protection up for your ankles. And then at the bottom, even though they're not really nails, they have you know, plastic spikes, so to speak, that can spike into the ground. And what's interesting is you have football players who use these for different kinds of uh, positions, You have an offensive lineman who needs to be stable and hold its ground so it can protect the quarterback. Then you have wide receivers or running backs whose job is to get out as fast as they can to get the ball to score a touchdown or at least get a first down. Both, you have the mobility and the stability within these shoes to play the game. And Paul says if you want to stand firm against the enemy's schemes, then you have to have both. You have to have stability and you have to have mobility. 
The stability is when life hits you hard, and when it does, you can stand firm. Because look, and we said this last week, the enemy will do whatever it takes to go after you. Oftentimes, he's not going to come through the front door. We said that would be weird if Satan came in, hey, how you doing? Can I come over for dinner? Not going to let him in, probably. Maybe Satan worshipers, not us. But he wants to come in the back door. So all of a sudden, you're living your life, you go in, and boom, there he is. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to try to knock you down. He's going to go after your marriage. He's going to go after your kids. He's going to go after your relationship with Jesus. He's going to go after every aspect of you. And so when he comes, you have to have stability in these shoes so you can stand firm. That's why peace has to come from Jesus. Because if you look within when life knocks you down, or if you look without, if life knocks you down, you'll never find it. But if you look to the cross and you look to what Jesus did, no matter the onslaught that you go through, you will stand firm. Nothing will knock you down. Nothing will take you down if you have these shoes of peace on your feet. But you don't want to just stand firm. You want to go out, just like a wide receiver or a running back would. And what I love about this is that Paul is saying, when you're stable in your own peace, you ever met someone that's just stable within peace? She's going to kill me that I'm doing this. I see Donna Gass in the front row. That lady's got peace, shoes on peace all over her. And I'm like, that's who I want to be like. That's what I want my life to look like. When you see someone that you're like, you're like, wow. And then when that person goes out and interacts with people, they just emanate peace. And what Paul is saying is, when you receive the peace of Christ that transforms your life and gives you stability, now you can walk out and share that peace with others because Paul is saying there are people in this world that don't have peace. They don't know Jesus. They're trying to find peace in all the wrong ways. And you and I have been putting on shoes that will not only support our feet and we can stand firm, but we can also go out and tell other people about peace so they can have peace. The Apostle Paul, he's probably thinking about the prophet Isaiah when he's thinking about the wording here. This is a, uh, what Isaiah says of prophecies. He's thinking about this peace that can come, and he says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that God of Israel reigns. I love how gotquestions.org, but by the way, the greatest website, excuse me, ever, and they have an app too. I go to it all the time. About this verse, it says, Isaiah prophetically sees the messengers bringing their joyous good news to a sad and forsaken land. After a long, weary time of seeing Jerusalem in ruins, news would finally come of Judah's redemption. The prophet could even see now the bears of the news running on the Judean mountainsides. Peace and salvation were on their way. These people put on these gospel shoes and they were running to bring peace to a land that had no peace. And when I look at, especially the United States, it is not a peaceful place. <laughs> and I wonder if there was a prophet here today that would look and say, man, I'm looking for the people who run in to where people don't know peace. And no matter what happens to them, they're willing to even put their lives on the line, their dignity on their line, so they can share Christ, so that people can have peace. There are people in your life that don't have peace right now. They don't have a relationship with God. They are desperate. On the outside, everything's fine. But underneath, they have this steady uh, anxiety that undermines all their life. You have the key. You have the answer. So put on your shoes and go tell them. That's what we're called to do. 
And so as we wrap up, I want to ask you a couple questions, and then I want to end with a story. The first question I want to ask you is, you look at the stability of your shoes. Is there any area of your life where you are slipping? When you're looking at temptation, is it knocking you down, and are you giving in, or are you staying stable? I'm not saying you're not rocking back and forth. I'm not saying one foot's up, one foot's down. But at the end of the day, are you stable? Are you saying, Jesus, my peace comes from you. My eyes are on you. I can withstand. Are they slipping in your marriage? Are they slipping with your kids? Are they slipping with your body image? Are they slipping with your finances? Are they slipping with not standing firm in God's word and prayer? And the disciplines God gives us to stand firm in peace. Where in your life are you not putting on the shoes of peace? And what are you going to do about that? What does that look like with Jesus? The second question is this. Who is God calling me to move toward with the gospel? So you have the shoes of stability that you can stand firm. And then you take that to other people so they can stand firm too. When you leave today, you're going to see, if you haven't already seen in the atrium, there's this big um, canvas out there with these big hands. And it's a verse in John talking about how Andrew brought someone to Christ and brought him to Jesus. And what we want you to do today is to write the name of somebody who doesn't come to church, who you would want to see next to you at an Easter service. And we want you to put that first name only, please, up there. And we want to join you in praying for them. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for the boldness for you to put on your gospel shoes and to invite them to Easter. This is not so we can have a lot of people at the chapel. I could care less. What I care about is they come and hear about Jesus. And they're not going to come unless someone in their lives puts on their gospel shoes of peace and goes tell them. It could be family members, it can be friends, or it could be strangers. The other day I'm leaving my office and I'm coming out and one of our coworkers who told me I cannot say their name met me in the hallway, and she tells me this story. And I begged her to tell it today, but she's too humble to tell it, so I'll tell it for her. She's coming off Route 2 onto 250 and sees a person who just blew a tire. And she thinks to herself, it's 2023, they have a cell phone, AAA's available, tow trucks can come, they probably know family and friends, I'll let, I'll let them be and then go to work. But she just felt like the Lord saying, no, you need to go. So she ends up pulling over, and she's talking to these guys, and they're so thankful that a stranger would just stop and help them because they didn't know exactly what their next steps are going to be. They're frazzled. And one of the individuals, there's, a, there's a, a guy and a girl, says to this person, I just want you to know, you are such a good person. And in that moment, this person thinks to themselves, yeah, but I know that where my goodness comes from. And it's not from within. It comes from Jesus. And she thought, okay, Lord, I'm about to put my gospel shoes of peace on and share Jesus with them. So she says, look, the goodness that you see in me, well, I appreciate that. That comes from my relationship with Jesus. And just starts telling this couple about Jesus. And after she talks to him, she asks the question, I don't know what your relationship with God is. I don't know if you've shut the door on God. And, and the woman says, well, I have, but this conversation is making me rethink things. The guy says, it's funny because I have doubted, but I started to become more open to God. And in fact, we had a conversation about God last night. And so this person is sitting with them and called the tow truck. It's, there's going to have to be a new tire, and it's going to be a while. So this person says, well, why don't you come out to the chapel and wait? 
This couple's probably thinking, wow, okay. So they get in this person's car and they drive over to the church. They walk into the offices. The first name that they see, this guy goes, wait a minute, you're telling me that he works here? I went to high school with him. Gets his phone out, starts to text this guy. You work at the chapel now? What's up with that? (laughs) Starts texting this guy. This person starts to give a tour of the offices and the church, and they said, we've never seen a church like this. And then, wouldn't you know it, there was another organization in here that catered breakfast, and this person says, you want to eat breakfast here? And they're like, yeah, man, this is incredible. (laughs) So they sit down, and they hear more of the story. She hears more of the story of what's going on. And then she again puts on her shoes and she says, you know, and they see the canvas out there that looks really cool. They say, what's that about? And she's telling them, and she goes, I want to invite you to Easter. And they texted her back and they said, 100% yes, you will see us here on Sunday morning. And I thought about that story for a while. I thought to myself, how often, how often, Do I have peace, but I'm not willing to share it with others? Because what if they ridicule me? What if they say no? What if they say yes? What if someone's going through something, and you didn't know that, and you just put yourself out there, and God lined it up to where they said yes? You have a chance to not only experience peace for yourself, but to help others discover it. What are you going to do about that? Jesus, I just bring to you ourselves and I know Lord it is not easy to invite people to church it's not easy to share about Jesus but all I know is that's the only time in my entire life that I've ever had peace true peace so help us not only experience peace in you but to share it with others help us to not just write a first name on the canvas out there but also invite them here and see God what you will do thank you for the opportunity Jesus in your name amen have a great Sunday y'all